Hey, everybody, Elizabeth here. Before we get into today's episode, I wanted to make sure that you know registration is currently open for our Spring Strong Foundations cohort. Strong Foundations is a five-week strength building program brought to you by me and Morgan Bungers. Coach Morgan Bungers is one of the best, most effective strength training coaches in this country. He has worked with some of the most elite athletes in the world, and now he specializes working with people in their 40s, in their 50s, in their 60s who want everyday strength. And this is not about being able to push your suitcase into the overhead compartment on an airplane. We need to be consistently and effectively strength training if we want to maintain the strength of our immune system. Muscle is a critical part of our immune system. And if we are not actively maintaining our strength, we are losing it as we age. And that means we are losing the strength of our immune system. It's also a significant component of our overall metabolism, especially our carbohydrate metabolism. Muscle mass plays a huge role in energy, in mood, mental health, bone health, so many different things. This is just not optional, but a lot of us don't do it because we aren't sure what to do. We aren't sure what not to do. We aren't sure if we're moving well. We don't know how to accommodate for our physical limitations or our current level of fitness, and that is why you need a coach and you'd be hard-pressed to find one better than Morgan Bungers. Now, here's the thing about fitness programs. I've experienced this. My mom, who's in her 70s, has experienced this, where you buy a fitness program and then you're like, okay, but I I can't do that workout because I'm not fit enough or I don't have enough balance or I don't have that equipment or that hurts my knees or it hurts my back. And then you're sort of just left to figure it out yourself, which means we often don't do anything. The great thing about Strong Foundations is that Morgan and I are part of it every single day and you have an unlimited ability to ask us questions in a group setting or via direct message so that Morgan can help you scale for you, for whatever equipment you have, for the time that you have, for your fitness level, for your body and your physical limitations. Five weeks, there's two different tiers. There's a beginner intermediate tier. There's an intermediate advanced tier. The testimonials that we have received from our previous clients will blow your mind. You can check them out and also register for your spot by going to primalpotential.com forward slash strong foundation. Primalpotential.com forward slash strong foundation. If you are an alum, if you have been through strong foundations before, I've already emailed you a renewal link with a special renewal rate. So please use that. If you don't see that email, let me know. For the rest of you, primalpotential.com forward slash strong foundation. We start on May 13th. So grab your spot now. You will have these workouts for life. Four workouts a week for five weeks, two different tiers. So you've got 40 workouts total. Plus, there is a five-part series on your pelvic floor. That is an incredibly important part of your physical fitness, of your strength, of your core strength, of your overall health, of your ability to maintain functional mobility as you get older. We want you to be a part of this. You will not regret joining the Strong Foundations cohort. It is an incredible community. 
everybody needs to be consistently and effectively strength training. And if you're not, it's probably because you don't know how to make it work for you. And it can be made to work for you. It needs to be made to work for you. Primalpotential.com forward slash strong foundation to register now. Let's get into the episode. Welcome to the Primal Potential Podcast. I am your host, Elizabeth Benton. If you want to create change in any area of your life, you're in the right place. Together, we'll explore the strategies and tools I've used to lose over 100 pounds, pay off $130,000 in debt, and become a multiple seven-figure business owner. I've supported thousands of women to levels of execution and fulfillment they didn't know were possible. So if you're frustrated, if you're doubting yourself, if you're not enjoying the journey, there's a better way. Together, we'll break through your past patterns, we'll eliminate the appeal of your excuses so you can get consistent, stay consistent, create the results you want, and most importantly, enjoy the journey. Let's get started. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Primal Potential Podcast. I'm Elizabeth Benton. Hope you're having a great day today. Sit back grab a cup of coffee or take me for a walk. We've got a lot to get through today. And I want this to just feel like fun, relaxed time together. I asked over in the Primal Potential Facebook group what you guys wanted to hear about the podcast and uh, on the podcast. And we're going to be working through a lot of those different topics today. So yeah, I just I want this to feel like we're just chatting over a cup of coffee. I've got a cup of coffee here. Got my kids screaming downstairs. <laughs> They're with Chris. You're not alone, I promise. But uh, what we're going to give away today, and I'll announce the winner at the end of the show, is what I've been getting tons of questions about. And that's why I keep going back to this one as a giveaway Relief Plus. It is a super powerful, all natural anti inflammatory. And that is not about headaches or joint pain, though, certainly can help with that. It really is about how inflammation is overrun in so many of our bodies and our inflammatory response is on overdrive because of things like overeating, right? Overeating is a stressor on the body and it causes inflammation or too much processed food, too much sugar, um, trans fats, seed oils, all of these things cause inflammation so much so that we're just living with high levels of inflammation and we don't know what it's like to live with less inflammation, to live with optimal levels of inflammation. There's a close family member in my life who is going through some health problems. And one of the big issues that he's trying to get under control is inflammation. Inflammation can cause really serious health challenges. And sometimes we don't even recognize it at all, but it's working behind the scenes in things that we're going to see down the road. So I am a huge advocate for Relief Plus. I do not miss a day with it. It is important for me. It's important for my husband. I'm always, <laughs> I have extra bottles. I'm, I always say like my father-in-law or my mom, like here, take a bottle, take it twice a day or two capsules a day. So I'm going to give that away. I'll also link it up in the show description. If you haven't checked it out, I really encourage you to. This is one of the like top, might be the single most important supplement that I personally advocate for, but it's certainly in the top two or top three. All right, let's dive in. I'll announce the winner at the end of the show. All you have to do to be eligible to win is leave a review of this podcast on whatever platform you listen. So the first thing we're going to dive into today is a question around how you get into the habit of tracking things. 
somebody said, in theory, it shouldn't be so hard, but for some reason, I have a hard time actually tracking. She says, I've tried digital apps, paper, etc. getting better with your podcast and positive self-talk, but I'm struggling with the habit of tracking things. So the first thing I want to say is start really small. Start with one thing and have the barrier to tracking be really low. If you not only are trying to track something, but you're also trying to have the habit of using some new app, that might be more of a struggle because now you're asking yourself to do two things. This is why So kind of an aside here, but in the consistency course, I actually, for the first time ever, built it out as all the curriculum lives in a Facebook group because what I had previously done with courses is it existed on another platform. So not only was I asking people to change certain things in their behavior, I was also trying to get them to build a habit of checking in in this totally new place. And often that's just too much to start with. So what I created for this for myself was the consistency calendar. This was just a tool that I used for myself because I'm a really visual person and I didn't want to have to download an app, remember to check into the app. And so this is actually a tool in the consistency course, but essentially it's a wall calendar, right? Just like a regular wall calendar, but every day has these like preformed circles on it and you can track up to three things, but you can start with just one and essentially each thing is assigned a color. So you could have red, green, and blue. And let's say that the one thing I've started with is the red circle is for reading 10 pages a day. It's literally something I see every day. I don't have to remember to go into an app on my phone. That calendar is at my desk. I see it 100 times a day. And I see those red dots. They're super visual. They get my attention. And I really like it for that. So know thyself. If it's an app that you're already using, like maybe you're using it in your notes app or you're doing it in your Google Calendar because you're already in there every single day, that makes a lot of sense. If you're already using a wall calendar, then you're used to doing that. But I think that if you're struggling to track things in general, trying to track and also using a new tool might be more than you're ready to take on out of the gate. You know, I'm always in my notes app. Silly example, I wanted to be in the pattern of like journaling my kids' developmental journey because I feel like I look back on Roman's first year and I don't remember a lot of different things. Like I don't remember what he was doing to entertain himself when he was seven months old. And so when the twins were born, I bought a whole bunch of these different um, like milestone trackers or motherhood journals and I wasn't using them. But I'm in my notes app 100 times a day because that's where I kind of keep track of ideas as they come into my mind. So I just started a note about life as a mom and I voice record to myself at random times in the day. It could be while I'm sitting in traffic. It could be while I'm brushing my hair. It could be while I'm giving the kids a bath because I'm already doing that thing. So I would say track only one thing and track in a way that reflects a pattern that you already have. And if you're going to do something new, because I've certainly been successful in using new tools, have the time on your calendar, but be really smart about it. Okay. This is actually something I'm going to talk about in an upcoming episode. But when I find that I'm having a hard time doing something and it just, I have the intention, but it keeps getting pushed day after day after day, 
I look for a time when I know there'll be very low resistance to doing it. Silly example. And again, I have a whole episode coming up on this, but I kept putting off an appointment that I had to make for the girls. So then I schedule it for the time where I'm most likely to make calls when I'm driving by myself. So I knew that on this day, I would be driving to the gym on my drive to the gym, I'm going to call and make that appointment. So if you're going to use a particular tool, block the time on your calendar, but know thyself. Block the time in your calendar when you know you're going to be available to do it, not when you know it's going to be a really high traffic time with a lot of competition for your attention. Don't do that. So I like the visual cues. cues. That's why I have the consistency calendar, but track a thing, not multiple things, and really look for tools that reflect where you're already spending your time. I spend a fair amount of time most days at my desk. So having a journal on my desk works for me. But a lot of people will have a journal like on their kitchen counter and it'll just sit there for a week. Know thyself, look at your patterns, look at where you're spending time and act accordingly. Okay, um... This next one says, you may have done early episodes on this, but I'd love to hear more about how you started Primal Potential, the idea behind it, how your business evolved, and more about your streams of income. Okay, I have done a lot of episodes on this, so I'm going to keep this kind of shorter. If you've been around for a while or you're working your way through episodes, you'll come upon more details of this. But the short version of the story is, I struggled with my weight for most of my life, despite having degrees in nutrition The issue was I just wasn't executing. I knew what to do, but I wasn't doing it. And in the process of actually getting out of debt, my mindset changed a lot because I saw differently for the first time how my pattern of like, oh, well, I made a mistake, so today's an off day and I'll start tomorrow. Like that would never work with budgeting. You know, if I had an unexpected bill or the electric bill was more than I thought it would be, I wouldn't be like, well blew the budget, might as well start again tomorrow. I never thought that way with money. And it just shined a really powerful light on the real problem with my food behaviors. And so that awareness helped me to lose over 100 pounds. And in doing so, I was like, man, I just got it so backwards. I The dieting stuff, I got it so backwards. The mindset stuff, I got it so backwards. But at the time, I was working in a job where I couldn't do that at the same time as my job because I I worked in a health field and I was doing a lot of consumer education. It just felt like a conflict of interest. And my first husband worked for the same company, so I just didn't want to muddy the waters at all. So I left that job after getting out of debt. And I was like, I'm just going to write a blog. But I quickly realized I hated blogging and I felt really limited in my ability to communicate in writing. And this was in 2014 when podcasts weren't what podcasts are now. So I just Googled how to start a podcast and I had it up in about a week. Um, It's evolved in that I feel like I used to focus a lot more on the science. And I learned over time that as much as we love the science and we love information, and I'm right there in that camp, I, I love to learn. The fact of the matter is most of us really need the implementation support, the support in creating consistency and overcoming excuses. And so my work has kind of shifted more in that direction. And the cool thing about those skills, the overcoming excuses and learning to get consistency and call, getting getting consistent and calling yourself out on your own BS also serves you in every other area of your life, your relationships, your finances, your business, everything. Um, 
my streams of income. So off the top of my head, I'll kind of go through some of my streams of income. Books is one of them. I've written Chasing Cupcakes and Tools for the Trenches, and I have many more books in me that I just haven't made the time to write. Um, I have the Changemakers Journal. I have some rental properties that I own. I also have invested in real estate syndications that pay monthly. Um, I have revenue from podcast ads, affiliate marketing, a couple different businesses that I've invested in. So I get compensated um, based on a percentage of like earnings there. Uh, Courses that I offer, like the consistency course, any coaching that I do, speaking I'm also compensated for, um, interest earned on, on different investments that I have, including but not limited to things like stocks. Um, so yeah, that's, that's kind of that. My goal over the next several years is to really focus a lot more on streams of income that are truly passive. And that is a result of just seeing how life can change in an instant and my availability to work can change. uh, And I want to make sure that my family is taken care of regardless of those kind of situations and changes. So um, I will be focused on more on expanding the streams of income that don't involve my active creation, my active involvement. And that's kind of where I'll be growing in the next few years. Another question came in, how do I get past feeling discouraged when weight loss starts to slow down? My number one recommendation for this is to go listen to episode 903. Make yourself a note right now. Episode 903 is not only one that I think we all need to listen to regularly, but I think we need to like keep coming back to it in those moments where we feel really discouraged. So episode 903 is the one that's about having many reasons, making sure they're strong and revisiting them often. So when when I was first losing 100 or so pounds, most of my choices, my food choices, my movement choices were around like, does this support my weight loss goal? And then when I got pregnant with my daughter, uh, who was born in 2020, my first pregnancy, it was like, well, I mean, it's no big deal. This this food choice or whether or not I work out here, because I mean, I'm not trying to lose weight right now. And it got really kind of murky and muddy. And I felt like my drive to eat well and exercise regularly shifted in that time in a way that really did not serve me and the kind of person I want to be. And I realized it has to be so much bigger than weight loss. Why you eat the way you eat has to be so much bigger than weight loss, not only because you're going to hit plateaus, but also theoretically, you're eventually going to hit your goal weight. And also, there are going to be seasons where weight loss can't or doesn't happen for some reason, maybe an illness or an injury or any number of other things. And you have to have big, compelling reasons beyond weight loss. Episode 903 breaks this down in a lot of detail, but this is so, so important. If you feel discouraged when your weight loss starts to slow down, you need to know that you are buoyed by big reasons. For example, One of the primary reasons that I eat a certain way is because of energy. If I have sugar regularly or certain quantities of sugar, I feel way more tired. Not only do I feel more tired, I feel 
emotionally down compared to how I feel emotionally when I'm eating really clean. Then there's the health aspect of it. I don't know about you, but I feel like every single day I'm hearing about somebody who has been handed down a catastrophic diagnosis or some kind of like serious health issue. And I know that one of the things that I have control over with regards to my health is nutrition. The fuel that I put into my body, the raw materials that I give my body for the sake of creating new cells and healing and repair and longevity and all of these things. So even if I never lose another pound, I am highly motivated to eat a certain way. And I feel the same way about movement. When I am exercising regularly, my body feels so much better. And I want to be strong and I want to be fit so that I can chase after my kids. And that's totally independent of body weight. It's about strength. It's about agility and flexibility and stamina and all of these other things. And I really believe that long-term health is supported tremendously by being physically fit and having higher muscle mass and all of these different things. So again, even if I never lose another pound, I have really substantial reasons for exercising regularly. Now, the other side of this is, okay, weight loss has started to slow down. Is that normal? Or does something need to shift and change? Do I know? Am I paying attention? Do I have good record keeping to say like, okay, looks like we need to adjust here? Or do you need a coach, right? There are lots of different options, but I think the most important thing is having many, 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 many reasons, strong reasons, and revisiting them often. Okay, the next question is about the improvement of not eating after dinner. This person is working on no longer eating after dinner. She said, I know I'm not hungry and I'm using the tools I've learned from the podcast and I'm asking myself questions and I'm revisiting my whys and I'm slowing down to consider my actions and how I'll feel. I've been able to not eat, but it feels like I'm white knuckling it and I'm not sure if there's something else I can be doing so it feels easier. You know, there's a cliche quote that says something like, do more of the things that make you forget to look at your phone. And I think that that actually applies here, though not related to your phone. Do more things that make you not think about food as much, (laughs) that make food not the center point of your evening. What does that look like? Is that taking a dance class? Is that Uh, going on a hike? Is that learning a new skill? Is it taking a course? Do more of the things that remove food from the like center point, central activity of your evenings. One of the big ones for me is I go to bed early. (laughs) That helps me so much. Before I had kids, I'd go to bed pretty shortly after dinner because not only did it remove the food decisions? I also know for sure that when I am well rested, I make better food choices. I have fewer cravings. I'm not as hungry. That's because just hormonally, that's a big part of the equation. But even now, you know, we eat dinner pretty early. We eat dinner at five. So I'm certainly not going to bed at 530. And I've got three little kids. But the center point of my time after dinner is playing with my kids. They just, they just ate. They don't want food. So if I'm fully invested in them and what they're doing and watching them learn and watching them change, I'm not thinking about food. Now, I understand not everybody has kids. Not everybody has little kids. Maybe your kids are an age where they run off and do their own thing. There are 
things that you can do that make food not the center point of your evening anymore. And for a lot of people, I think the pattern of like, okay, dinner's over, the day is done, relax on the couch, that can feel largely unfulfilling and it's easy for food to feel like a thing to do in an activity. But start to reframe what life looks like or what life can look like if food isn't the most exciting part of your evening. Right. And I love food and I love to eat, but I also don't want to feel like from 4.30 to 9 o'clock, the most exciting thing is food. If that's the way I feel about my evening, something needs to shift. Again, take a course, go for a walk, take a dance class, like do something, get involved with your church in the evenings. There's a million things that you can do to shift so that food doesn't feel center point. And then I really like questions along the lines of how would I have to think about food or evening eating for it to feel easier? You know, one thing that I think about is how I want to feel when I wake up in the morning and it feels a lot easier to not snack and graze through the evening when I think about how amazing I'm going to feel when I wake up in the morning and I feel proud of myself. The other thing is to break it into phases. So it's not either I eat after dinner or I don't. You can break this into smaller pieces. And I really recommend with any change, breaking it into smaller pieces. This is something I'm always working on with my clients in the consistency course, for example. Maybe the first phase, if you're snacking and grazing throughout the evening, is to say, I can eat as much as I want after dinner, but it has to be like these things. So it has to be whole foods or it has to be protein sources or it has to be, you know, whatever. You pick something that's an improvement for you. Can't be processed, can't be sugar, but I can eat as much as I want. And maybe that list becomes more refined over time. Or you can start by saying six days a week I can eat after dinner, but I'm going to begin with one night one night where I don't eat after dinner. It doesn't mean that I'm hungry because I'm still having dinner. I'm not starving myself. And maybe it means on that night I go to bed a little bit earlier, but one night a week I can do that easy. I still have six nights a week where I can eat after dinner and that progresses over time. But it's not either I ate after dinner and it's a win, and it's a loss or I didn't and it's a win. There's phases and I always encourage people to break their proposed change, their ideal shift into a lot of small pieces and start with a single small piece. The next question says, when you've given up on so many, when you've given up on your goal so many times, how do you gain back trust, confidence, belief in yourself that you can actually follow through with something? So contrary to popular belief, I do not think that you need to have confidence in order to create change. I do not believe that you need to trust that you're going to do it in order to change. I believe you can act with doubt. You can act with lack of confidence. Confidence and trust and belief are not prerequisites for any change that you're going to make. They're actually byproducts of change that you make. So those things, trust and confidence and belief, are going to be earned along the way as a result of a pattern of action. Do not think for one second that you are limited because you don't trust yourself or believe in yourself or have confidence in yourself. You can take action in the absence of all three of those and they'll be built along the way. And even if they're never built, you can still do it without trust, without confidence, without belief. There are so many people out there who are changing their behavior while feeling doubt in themselves or building business while not really believing that they're going to be ultimately successful. 
Do not think for one second that you need to feel a certain way in order to act. Sure, it might be nice and it might be easier, but you don't need to feel any kind of way in order to act. When I wrote Tools for the Trenches, I talked about this, that the feeling can ride with you, but it can't drive. So that feeling of lack of confidence and doubt, that can ride with you while you make an improved choice. Those feelings, trust and confidence, belief, are not prerequisites for action. They are byproducts of action. This next one, I think this is the last one we're going to talk about, might be another one, um, is something I'm really passionate about. It says, I'm struggling with moving and trying to get our side gig going. It's hard to think of as so many are suffering tragic losses right now so close to home. Should we stay and simplify knowing that in the end, no tangible items matter? However, relationships do matter and part of our side hustle is relationships. Okay, here's the thing. People are always suffering tragic losses around us. And for me, having financial flexibility and financial freedom is more important because of that. Because look, you can absolutely help people without providing financial support. But when you can provide financial support, you help them a lot more and a lot faster. So this notion of like, hey, tangible items don't matter in the end. Well, if your motivation for building a business is tangible items, then like, yeah, that's that's going to be a problem because, hey, it doesn't really matter. I don't personally pursue financial flexibility and financial freedom for a bigger closet or a boat or anything tangible. I do it for the time I want to spend with people I love and the ability that I want to have to help people in meaningful ways. When somebody in my family is suffering and I can say, hey, I've got your mortgage this month, or hey, I'm going to cover that expense for you, or I hear about somebody who's gone through a tragedy and I can take care of their groceries for a month or two months, that really matters to me. I completely agree that tangible items don't really matter very much, and I think that the ability to help people financially really matters a lot because medical bills need to be addressed because housing can be crippling and expensive and starting over has a price tag. Time is the most valuable thing. And when we have financial flexibility, we have time freedom. That is my driver. I would be not motivated at all if I thought that I was trying to earn money so that my kids could have more stuff or so that I could have more stuff. It's not about that at all. So if your perspective is like, hey, people are struggling and stuff doesn't really matter anyway, I, I, I can understand why you're not really taking action. But when I think about all the people who are suffering, it makes it even more important that I build financial freedom because I want to be able to have an impact and I want to be able to help people. And I know how much financial stress and pressure causes real problems for people. And that's something that if you have means that you can alleviate for folks and for yourself and for your family, not to mention, okay, relationships matter. It's really hard to prioritize relationships when you don't have time because you're spending your time hustling for money. So certainly people want to earn money for material things. And I think that that's not wrong. That's just not my motivator. 
I've never been a stuff person. I've never been a clothes or a shoes kind of girl, but I am a freedom kind of girl. I am a generosity kind of girl. I am a help people in ways that really matter kind of girl. And I'm not dismissing the impact of things that don't cost money, like sitting behind beside somebody and holding their hand or praying for them. But when you can sit beside them and hold their hand and pray for them and also pay six months of their mortgage, I think people would choose option B. You know, at least I would. Okay, one more question and then uh, a couple of resources that are free that I want to tell you guys about. Somebody asked about dealing with food pushers. I don't think food pushers are the problem. I think that the way you perceive food pushers could be the problem. So if somebody says to me, Elizabeth, have a cookie. Elizabeth, have some chips. Elizabeth, have a drink. It has zero effect on me because I don't outsource my food decisions. I make them based on my goals. I make them based on my priorities and my standards and all of those kinds of things. And I'm just not going to outsource them in the same way that like if you're if you don't drink and somebody offers you a beer, like if that has some kind of hold over you, you're in trouble and you don't have control. And so when it comes to my health choices, I have control. There's not anybody that can offer anything to me that removes my sense of control. Now, some people have this story that if they say no, when somebody offers them something that it's rude. And this is not about somebody offering you something. And it's not about whether it's rude or not. It is about the meaning that you have assigned. It is about the meaning that you make. My brother-in-law doesn't drink. So if I offer him a beer and he says no, is that rude? Well, how is that different than my father-in-law who's a diabetic and I offer him a cookie and he says no, or uh, my best friend who's trying to lose weight and I offer her a cupcake and she says no, It's not rude or not rude. The problem is the meaning that you make. When somebody says no, it's not about you, right? If if I offer you a cookie and you say no, and then you're like, oh, just I feel like it was rude, or you say yes because you don't want to be rude, you have made your food decision about my feelings or or your assumption about my feelings. And I just don't think that's a good way to make decisions. So practice making your food decisions on the criteria of your goals and your standards and your priorities, not on anybody else's feelings. Because if you are doing it based on what somebody offers or how you fear they might react to their offer, you have no control. So I don't think food pushers is a problem at all. I think that the meaning you make of the food pusher might be the problem, and that is an opportunity for you. And the second part of this question was about people who are negative about you getting healthy or making changes with your lifestyle. And I say this, it doesn't matter. You're not doing it for their approval, and you don't need their support. They are viewing it based on their perspective and their stories and their experiences, and it's really none of your business. If they think it's amazing, cool. If they think it's awful, cool. It's really none of your business. You are not doing it for their approval, and you do not need their approval. And if you are engaging in any kind of mental acrobatics around how they feel about your goals, That's the problem. The problem isn't that they don't support you. The problem is what you're making it mean that they don't support you. You don't need their support. If they don't support you, it's none of your business. That's how I feel about that.
Okay. Um, let's see here. I know that I need to give away our Relief Plus. I'll do that in one second. Wanted to remind you guys that the wait list is now up for the new 10X Mindset 30-day action-based program. I'll link that wait list in the show description so you can hop on there if you're not on it already. Also want to remind you, the totally free workbook on creating consistency. You can get it over on my Instagram. Go to at Elizabeth Benton on Instagram. Open up one of my recent posts, not stories, posts, comment with just the word guide, just the word guide, just the word guide on one of my posts. And it'll automatically go to you in your DMs. Um, And then the last thing, I don't think I've talked about this on the podcast. So for a few years now, we've had the Changemakers Productivity and Fulfillment Journal. I created that after Dagny died because I was having a very hard time getting things done. I was just putting things off. I was feeling overwhelmed. And I was like, am I ever going to get my drive back and my ability to focus and follow through back? So I created a tool to help myself and I found it really helpful. So I shared it with my team. And when I shared it with my team, they were like, "Uh, this is amazing. You need to share this with everybody. So for the last few years, we had the physical Changemakers Journal, the beautiful linen-bound um, hardcover journal. And over time, as with everything, including grapes and milk and butter, I paid $10 for a pound of butter, $9.99 for a pound of organic butter. Crazy. But as prices went up, printing prices, the prices of paper, the prices of shipping, the prices of the shipping materials. I just didn't feel comfortable raising the price. And it was getting to the point where when I factored in the printing of it, the materials of it, shipping it to me, shipping it to you, it was just, I, I wasn't making any money and it was just stupid. So the decision was, do we eliminate it altogether or do we take it digital? And we decided to make it digital Um and it is less than half the price, which I'm very excited about. And with the with the physical journal, it was a 90-day journal. So if you wanted to keep using it, you had to buy a new one every three months. Now, because it's digital, you buy it once for $19.97 and $19.97. And you can reuse it over and over and over. It is not an app. It is a fillable PDF. So basically, it's like a file you can open and type right into, save, continue, repeat, clear out, use again. Or if you're a paper person... You could theoretically, you know, print it out. It's a huge file, though, so you'd probably want to go to like a print shop. Um, but you have options with that. So that is now available. I don't think I'd shared that yet on the podcast. Uh, you just go to primalpotential.com forward slash get dash the dash journal, or you can go right to the shop section of my site, and it's there. I'll also link it up in the show description. But wanted to let you know about all those resources. The winner, finally, of Relief Plus. Oh my gosh, how am I ever going to say this? Ready for this? Adder to you, not even kidding you. I'm going to spell this out. Write this down because you're going to be like, what the hell is that? The winner is A-D-E-R-T-Y-U-I-O-P-K-L-H-G-F-D-S-A. What the F is that? Like, do you even want to win? A-D-E-R-T-Y-U-I-O-P-K-L-H-G-F-D-S-A. If that is you, something's wrong. (laughs) But if that is you, email me, Elizabeth at primalpotential.com. Within 60 days of this episode airing, let me know that you were the winner for 1116. 1116, include your mailing address. No matter where you live in the world, include your mailing address in that email, and I will get Relief Plus out to you. I'll also link it up in the show description. You can win just by leaving a review of this podcast and 
I'll see you guys on the show tomorrow. Have a great day.